Notice, if you will, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, the Bible is talking about the last days. Paul writes to Timothy and he says, in verse number 1, this know also in the last days perilous at times shall come. I call your attention to verse number 5 where the Bible continues to describe the behavior of the days of the return of Christ where he says, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. And then verse number six, the Bible tells us, for of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers lust, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now verse number eight, I want you to see, perhaps it's a verse you've read many times and haven't studied to know what the verse means. The Bible says, now as Janus and Jambres with it stood Moses. So do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. This morning I want to preach on the subject discerning truth from deception. Discerning truth from deception. If you this morning have a feeling of being confused of what is right and what is wrong, what is truth and what is not truth. I want you to hear the message. I want you to follow along in the scripture this morning. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless the preaching of your word today. I hunger to be filled with your spirit. I hunger today in a day of deception, in a day of difficulty, a day when we hear 20 conflicting stories and wondering what is the truth. I pray that you'd help us from your word this morning to understand the work and workings of Satan and how we can discern truth from deception. Holy Spirit of God, please be with us this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. May I begin by saying the days in which we are living are not a surprise to God. In his word, he foretells of what is going to happen in the days of the return of Christ. He says, and as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. Satan did not begin his deceptive work in these last days. He began his deceptive work as soon as God had placed Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Now it may be that we're the last generation before the return of Christ. I believe that there is no prophecy yet to be fulfilled other than the returning of Christ. I believe that Jesus could return in the very moment in which we sit here under this tent listening to the word of God. I look forward as a child of God to the coming of Christ. I look forward to the blessed hope, the return of Christ. However, those who do not know Christ as Savior, oh, how I would beg and how I would plead for you to put your faith and trust in him. For as soon as God calls his children from this place, the tribulation period will begin, which is just the beginning of judgment. And dear friend, if there were no hell, I would want to be a Christian to escape the tribulation period. But there is a devil's hell for those that do not receive Christ as Savior. 
The deceptions and the work of Satan is listed and is chronicled throughout the word of God. It begins in that first book of Genesis in the second chapter and his work is revealed, his work is listed, his work is exposed all the way through, uh, through the book of Revelation. Now make no mistake about it, God and righteousness have won and will win every battle of time. God always wins. Righteousness always wins. While sin brought a curse to man and to the ground, a fatal curse was placed on the devil that day, and as a result, Satan would be cast into the lake of fire that was prepared just for him and those that would follow him. I'm not going to go through all of the gigantic battles of good and evil that are listed in the Bible, but I want to show you a few this morning and help us to discern what is truth from deception. I want to show us this morning how we can know what the truth is. Now this is an interesting illustration and statement in 2 Timothy chapter 3. The Bible says in verse number 8, Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses. Now let me go back to that story of Moses and Aaron. If you recall, the children of Israel, they are slaves. They are in bondage in the land of Egypt. They're God's people and God said, Moses, I want you and Aaron to go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And I want them to go and I've prepared for them a land that will become the land of Canaan or the land of Israel. When Moses and Aaron went before uh, Pharaoh, Aaron took the rod that he had, a rod like a shepherd's rod, and he put it on the ground and that rod became a serpent. In fact, let's look at a couple of these verses, if you will. Go to Exodus chapter 7. Exodus chapter 7. I want you to notice what happened. Now, that was put there, or that took place, to get the attention of Pharaoh. I don't know if it got Pharaoh's attention. It got my attention just to read it. I would not want to experience it, a rod turning into a snake. But I want you to see the working of the devil from the very beginning and see that he has not changed. He still works in the same way today. Follow with me, if you will, in Exodus 7 and verse number 10. And Moses and Aaron went in unto Pharaoh, and they did as the Lord had commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers. Now the magicians of Egypt, don't miss this, they also did in like manner with their enchantments. For they cast down every man his rod, and they became serpents. You know what they did? They matched what God's man did. Well, you say, that's confusing. How do you know who's telling the truth? 
How do you know which is right? Do you know if it's, if it's Aaron and Moses or if it's Janus and Jambres? By the way, those are the two names that are given to the main magicians that were in the land of Egypt. And if you read through this chapter, you'll find that everything Moses and Aaron did, the magicians of the land of Egypt, they would do the same thing. It's interesting to note that at the end of verse number 12, the Bible said, but Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods, or the snake swallowed up their snakes. But you say, preacher, that would have been a mighty confusing thing. In fact, it did confuse Pharaoh, and Pharaoh's heart was hardened because he said, here's two men that say they're from God. Their rod turns into a snake, but here these men, they can do the same thing they can do. What is the difference? Now, I want to give you the answer right here, and then I want to show it to you throughout the message today. What God says is always right. And I don't need magic to prove God's word. I don't need a miracle to approve God's word. All I need is God's word. Now I want you to think with me. Today we have the privilege of looking back in history as is recorded in the word of God. And we look back and we see who was right. Was Moses and Aaron, by the way, the minority, just two men, were they right delivering the word of God or were all of these magicians and astrologers of Pharaoh right? Well, we know who was right and everything happened just as God's word had said it's going to happen. Now, I want to tell you there is a great danger in our country today that we get caught up in sensationalism. We get caught up in things that appear to be something they're not. It's amazing what can be done with a camera. It's amazing what can be done with a picture. It's amazing what can be done in the way you tell a story. That's why a judge will say you tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Do you know you can tell the truth and not the whole truth and lead someone to believe a lie? I'm glad when God gave me his word, he gave me the truth. He gave me the whole truth. And he gave me nothing but the truth. I'll give you the answer to the message this morning. What God said is right. If it doesn't seem right, it's still right. If science goes against the word of God, science is wrong and God's word is wrong. If education goes against the word of God, education is wrong and God's word is right. I want to tell you this morning, God's word is always right. It doesn't matter what seems to be. It doesn't matter what the majority says it is to be. What matters is what God's word says. And if you and I don't have a hunger and an understanding for the word of God, we're going to follow this multitude that are being deceived by the sensationalism and the satanic work, uh, uh, the uh, work of the devil. Now we find this throughout the word of God. In fact, I want you to take your Bibles and go to the book of John in chapter 3. I preached last night on television from this passage of scripture. I believe the greatest sermon ever preached, the greatest gospel chapter, the greatest gospel single verse in all of the world and the Bible is right here. The greatest sermon ever preached was preached to just one man, Nicodemus, when Jesus said, you must be born again. I want you to notice what the Bible says in verse number one. The Bible says there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, notice the words now, we know 
that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Can I tell you something? Jesus was not God because of his miracles. He was God because God said he was God. Now there's a misunderstanding here. Nicodemus said, no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Nicodemus is not telling the truth there. Now he doesn't mean to be dishonest, but the truth is the devil can deceive. He can work his magic as we see throughout the scripture. And there are folks that may appear uh, to perform miracles that would impress our emotions, that would impress our minds. But what has to impress the mind of the child of God is not the miracle of God, but what the, but the word of God and what God says. You know what Jesus said to Nicodemus? He didn't say a word about the miracles. He didn't say a word about the proof. He simply said, you must be born again. Jesus is never sidetracked by any statement or question in the scripture. Jesus always goes to the very heart of the matter. And he wasn't God because he could do a miracle. If he didn't do a single miracle, he would still be God. If he didn't raise the dead, if he didn't turn the water to wine, if he didn't feed the 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes, if he didn't walk on the water, if he didn't steal the storm, if he didn't do a single thing, he'd have still been God because God's word said that he is God. This is my son, he said, in whom I'm well pleased. In the book of 1 John, the Bible says, if we don't accept the son, that we cannot accept the father. He said, this is the record in John chapter five, in verse number 12, that he is given of his son. And the Bible says that if we have faith in him, that we can have salvation and that we can know that we have salvation, not because of a miracle, but because of the word of God. I'm not discounting the miracles of God. I'm simply saying, you better understand that the devil is in the miracle working business as well. And if you get caught up in sensationalism, you're going to believe a lie rather than the truth of the word of God. Take your Bibles and go with me, if you will, to 2 Thessalonians. Those little T-books are just before. Uh, you get to Hebrews, James, right toward the end of your Bible. You have 1st, 2nd Thessalonians, 1st, 2nd Timothy, and then Titus. Go to 2 Thessalonians in chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians in chapter 2. Boy, you talk about up-to-date, as up-to-date as next week's newspaper is right here in the Word of God. By the way, you know what impresses me about the Word of God? What impresses me is that God knows all things, and He has told us of things that have happened, that are happening, and that are going to happen. And every prophecy God's ever given has either been fulfilled or is in the process of being fulfilled today. I could take an hour this morning and go quickly through uh, some of the prophecies that seem to be an impossibility. Oh, it seemed that circumstances uh, caused certain odd things to happen. Ah, but dear friend, it wasn't odd things or circumstances. It was the hand of God that caused them to happen just as the Lord had said. 
Can I tell you the rise and fall of every empire was listed in the word of God long before an empire ever rose uh, to conquer the world. Uh, and the last empire that's going to rise, uh, uh, there's going to be an empire of man and the Antichrist is going to sit down and declare himself as God. Ah, but God said, you're not the winner. Uh, you're not the God. You're not the king. And God's going to come and destroy Satan by the brightness of his coming. And with his word, he is going to prove that he is God. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 7, for the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Think about that. The mystery of iniquity. We often say, why would they do that? Why would they do that? I mean, why, why would people do something that's going to take their lives? Don't they know they may have a night or a two or a month or a year of fun, but they're going to die early? Why would they do that? Hardly a week goes by and sometimes hardly a day goes by that you don't read about some rock star, uh, some drug addict or a person uh, uh, that abuses alcohol uh, uh, died at the age of 35, died at the age of 42, died young. You know why? Iniquity and the mystery of iniquity, the Bible says, doth already work. Notice this, only he who letteth it now, uh, only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. That's the Holy Spirit of God. And then shall that wicked, capital W, that's the devil, be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan. Notice this with all power and signs. Notice this, and lying wonders. Folks, the devil's told so many lies, nobody knows what to believe. What's sad is so many lies have been told by the devil. Many people have said, I don't believe anything. I believe what I can see. I believe what I can experience myself. How sad it is. Look at verse number 10 and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness." But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through th sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Do you see that? You say because you believed the truth. Now he's telling us here there's coming a day that Christ, uh, his, uh, the trumpet will sound and Christ will meet us in the air and will be taken to heaven. Those that have put their faith and trust not in a miracle, not in something that's spectacular or sensational, but we simply believe the truth of the word of God. Those that are left behind, I've had folks say, well, uh, if I don't make it with the first group, I'll go ahead and get saved and I'll make it with the second group. There's not a second group. Well, I'll just believe it then. Uh, no, you won't. The Bible says you'll believe a lie and even God will send a strong delusion uh, that you won't believe uh, uh, the truth. Here's what I'm preaching this morning. You hold in your hand the truth. You hold in your hand the word of God. 
We live in a day that we believe something because we saw it on television or we believe something because we saw it on the internet. I want to say this morning we need a generation of people who will say, I believe it because God's word said it. Take your Bibles and go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. This is just after the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Then you have Acts, Romans, and First and 2 Corinthians. Notice 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 13. 2 Corinthians 11 and verse number 13. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. You told somebody to draw a picture of the devil, they draw somebody with a red suit and pitchforks and horns. That's not what the Bible says the devil looks like. He transforms himself into an angel of light. He looks like a proclaimer of truth. He looks like an example of right. Notice what the Bible says in verse 15, therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness whose end whose end shall be according to their works. You say, well, preacher, how do we keep from being deceived? Take your Bibles and go to Acts chapter 17. How do we keep from being deceived? How do we keep from be, uh, believing something that isn't true? Go to Acts chapter 17. Here is an example of what we need to do as far as knowing what to believe and what not to believe. Acts chapter 17 Go to verse number 10. Acts 17, 10. We'll read three verses here. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Notice this. In that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. Therefore many of them believed also of honorable women which were Greeks of men, not a few. Can I tell you something? That old book right there is a book of truth and that book will set you free. It'll set you free from confusion. It'll set you free from deception. Notice Galatians chapter 1. You see, from Genesis to Revelation, we have the working of Satan to deceive. Do you know there are many folks today, they think they're going to heaven because they're doing the best they can. You don't go to heaven by doing the best you can. You go to heaven by receiving the gift of eternal life. That's what the Bible says in the book of Galatians. Paul is dealing with a group of Christians and there was someone that came in and said, it's not that easy. You can't just pray and believe and get saved. You've still got to keep all of the law if you're going to go to heaven. I want you to notice what Paul says. If you'll go to verse number 16. I'm sorry, verse 6. Galatians 1, verse number 6. I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Now notice what he says here. 
But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you. Though we are an angel from heaven, preach any gospel unto you. Them that ye have, than that ye have received, let him be accursed. You know what Paul's saying? The gospel's not true because I said it. It's true because God said it. Hey, listen to me, folks. Don't believe what I'm saying because I say it. Believe it because it's what God said. Believe it because that's what the Word of God said. I want you to turn to one more passage of Scripture and then I'm finished looking at Scripture and that's 2 Peter just after Hebrews and James. You have 2 Peter, a smaller book, 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1 and the Bible is talking about the reality of Jesus who lived on the earth and there were some who saw him. They saw his miracles. They heard his word and they said, boy, it'd be a wonderful thing if we could just hear him. We would certainly believe him if we could hear him. But notice what the Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 16. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But Peter writes, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. I'm not telling you a fable. I'm not making up a story. I'm telling you what I saw with my eyes. I read that and I said, well, I wish I could have been there. I wish I could have seen Jesus as he walked on the water. I wish I could have seen him as he touched a crippled limb and made it straight, as he touched a blinded eye and made it to see. Oh, how wonderful it would have been. But let's go on to see what Peter says. For he received from God the Father, Jesus received from God the Father, honoring glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven, we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. But wait a minute, verse number 19. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto ye do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. He said, we saw it, but we have a more sure word of prophecy in the word of God. Can I tell you, I'm glad that Peter didn't tell his son who told his son, who told his son, who told his son that I could hear the story of what happened. Oh no, God said, I don't want you to hear hearsay and someone take away or add to. I'm gonna put it in the Bible just as it happened so you have a more sure word of prophecy because it is written than rather than what someone has said. And so this morning, I want you to look this way as I give you five simple statements. Number one, believe the Bible is the word of God. Believe that the Bible is the word of God. Men have attacked it, criticized it, and tried to destroy it. There have been attempts of mankind to destroy the word of God. Oh, so many times they've gathered them up to burn them in fire. But this morning as we sit here, the number one selling book in all of the world remains the same. It is the Bible, the book that we hold in our hand this morning. The Bible is the word of God. It is forever settled in heaven. It always has been and it always will be. Some have come and claimed to be a Messiah or to be a prophet and they're gone. But the word of God stands. It stands like a rock undaunted through the ages of time. Believe the word of God. Number two, 
Do not believe something because it is of a miraculous nature. You know, they may say, well, scientists prove. No, the Bible proves. Education doesn't prove, the Bible proves. Experience does not prove, the Bible proves. Number three, read the Word of God knowing the answers are there. Read it. Read it. Read the Word of God knowing the answers are there. Oh, it's amazing. I think of this every morning. I think of this every morning. I'll read a passage of Scripture and I'll think of a passage of Scripture that I'd read before, maybe a day or a week or a month, and the two go together. And I think of this. When I was a boy and a teenager, one of the things we enjoyed doing in the wintertime was working puzzles. My dad would get a 500-piece or a 1,000-piece puzzle. Boy, it was a mess. We poured it out on the table. First thing we'd do, we'd turn all the colors side up. Then we'd start dividing the colors. It took a lot of work. How many of y'all done that before? He worked those big puzzles. We'd all sort of, we'd keep a piece in our pocket or put it back because we wouldn't have worked the last piece of the puzzle. There'd always be six pieces missing. Huh? Isn't it something how that puzzle begins to come together? You get all the greens and the different color greens and all the blues, different color blues. Can I tell you this old book, while it is simple on the surface, it's complicated and complex in its depths. That book right there contains not just history. It's a book that contains a prophecy, not just what's happened in the past, but what's going to happen in the future. It tells us not just how man behaves on the outside, but it's a discerner of the thoughts and of the very intents of the heart. How complicated and complex, how wonderful the book is, and yet written with words that are simple for us to read and understand. Read the Word of God. Don't pick it up one time and say, well, I read it once and I didn't understand it. I had a fellow tell me one time, he said, well, I don't understand the Bible. I quit reading it. I said, well, you're still married. Don't tell me you understand her. I'll go on. I'm out of time. Number three, read the Word of God knowing the answers. Number four, listen to the Word of God preached, but understand it's not what I say. It's what the book says. I don't want you to follow me. I want you to follow who I'm following. I don't want you to believe what I believe. I want you to believe whom I have believed in. I don't you believe what I know. I want you to believe. A fellow said to me, his father used to say, son, I taught you everything you know, but I haven't taught you everything I know. Everything I know I learned from him. Ah, but he knows so much more. I say last of all, and I'm finished, read and listen to the word of God intending to do not just to know. The Word of God's changed completely. If I read it to say, that's what I'm going to do. The Word of God's like a cookbook. Nobody ever sits down and says, I'm going to read the recipe of peanut butter cookies. Don't read it to me unless you aim to make a batch. I'm not interested in just knowing what the recipe is. I'm interested in somebody putting the ingredients together. This book is a book of recipes. It's how to live a happy life. It's how to have a happy marriage. It's how to live a success in a difficult world. That old book right there is the Word of God. 
And I want to tell you, be careful about repeating sensationalism. You may or may not be telling the truth, but when you repeat that book, you're always repeating the truth. Stand with me, if you will. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, I would ask you to trust Him today. In just a moment, as we begin the invitation, I'd ask you to leave your seat and let us take the Bible down here in the front and show you how you can know for sure Christ is your Savior. You're this morning, you're a child of God, but you're out of God's will. You need to rededicate your life to a life of service and a life of devotion to God. I would invite you to come and put a bended knee at this altar and say, Lord, help me. Forgive me of not being what I ought to be and help me to be what I ought to be. You may be here this morning filled with doubts and confusions. I say the more we hear of the circumstances around us, the more confused we are. The more we read of the Word, the more, the more convinced we are, not confused, but convinced we are of the truth. Heavenly Father, bless our invitation this morning. Do a work in our hearts. May our faith be in your word. May our faith be in your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As he sings.